So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to the Running Rugby Podcast, and I'll start off this week's episode by saying, look, what we said last week about the Australian games being just as entertaining as the Kiwi games, it was obviously a one-week phenomenon. We had another four games over the weekend, but I think we can all agree uh, the New Zealand conference far exceeded the excitement of the Australian conference. Um, I'm joined here by Toby and Leo, and... Did you find there were a couple of games there on the weekend that maybe you struggled to get to the end of? Yes, unfortunately. Was it just because the... you can't deal with how terrible the Waratahs play? Well, I mean that's always part of it. I did actually get to the end of that one. Um, I thought they'd, I thought they'd come back with a little bit more than they did. I'd, I'd sort of expected the Rebels to to have a bit of a choke at some point and and make it a bit closer than it ended up being, but alas, it just sort of petered out. Um, in the in the, the vein of most of the game, the Rebels just held on to that lead and the Waratahs just couldn't string anything together. Ill-discipline, just ill-discipline um, really affected them. Not a very inspiring press conference afterwards, actually. Rob Penny and Rob Simmons, not a whole lot to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I know, I know it's hard to speak to a, a crowd of press with tough questions after a loss like that, but, like, there's... Just not a whole lot going on with those pair. What What is your guys' impression of Rob Penny now? Um, obviously, we had the first start of the season. Now we've had four games in this um, Super Rugby AU competition. Do you like that? What he's doing? He's sticking with a stable team. He's giving these young guys a chance. Or do you think he's he's not got the ideas or the tactics to put in place to help this team succeed? This is one week post them coming close to beating the Brumbies. Yeah, which is why this week was such a surprise. I, I actually, obviously, I think most of us tipped the Waratahs, expecting oh, that they, yeah, th- that they'd shown some form. We thought, right, well, they're staying at home. They'll back this up. The Rebels are, are a chance to, to to knock over one of these mid to lower teams and and just make sure they stamp their dominance at home. Rob Penny, just not much of a character, like not a, not showing a whole lot. I don't know if he is trying to keep it all close to his chest. I don't find him very endearing, sort of just not that interesting. And and I, while I appreciate that he's keeping the same guys and giving them a chance, I don't really know what I should be expecting in terms of their style from him. He just doesn't give a whole lot of ways. A pretty vanilla character. Could say he's similar to Brad Thorne, really, in that way, keeping his cards close to his chest. But somehow, but Brad he's Thorne not... seems to have a more endearing sort of. Yeah, but he's not, he's not likeable, though. He just kind of looks like he hasn't got anything to offer, not that he's choosing not to offer it. That's why I'm not really sure. I can't read him. Um, there's not a lot of personality. Brad Thorne has a really clear personality. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know Rob Penny's history either particularly, so um, just he doesn't strike me as um, a, you know an inspirational leader from what I've seen, but all I've seen is that recently is that losing press conference, mm-hmm. so there's going to be more to that to him. Yeah, I think like Brad Thorne, lack of talking almost gives the right message. Like he just, he sits back, he'll have a little smirk and you're like, okay, he knows more than he's letting on. But with Penny, it's like, this is the second or third time I've seen press conference where he's just can't explain his thinking behind a, a certain tactic or or where, where they went wrong. He's He's just very... I don't know. It's hard to put a finger on. He's just like he's not very precise with things, and I think that reflects maybe in the way he coaches the team. Um, Rob Simmons as well. Like when you put them together, it's not a very inspiring um, leadership team for the Tars at all. And probably difficult in probably one of the most um, sort of highest looked at in terms of the media with the Waratahs in Sydney um, of all the Super Rugby teams. Well, in Australia especially. But this game, 29-10, to 10, 
as you said, ill-discipline. Um, the Waratahs giving away 17 penalties to nine for the Rebels. And the Rebels just dominating from pretty much the outset. The Waratahs got an early try, but not much left after that. And we saw their set piece sort of crumble again after a week where it was quite strong. It was putting the Brumbies on the back foot. Their line-out was solid. They were stealing um, line-outs, and they seemed to have a lot more issues in this one. Yeah, so line-out was poor. Um, they didn't really dominate rucks, um, but they didn't have a lot of possession. Like, the Rebels played a a good game in, in terms of not giving a lot of cheap ball back to the Waratahs. I, I can't remember a whole lot of really expansive backline moves or even even anything particularly exciting on the kick return. They just didn't offer them that much. Um, they played a bit, bit of territory. They, they put it into lineouts. They contested those and, and won them. Um, if you go to the stats, it's 17 lineouts, one to nine. So that's quite a lot for the game. Um, Waratah's also losing two of their own and not too many scrums, which is good. So, it's yeah, the... the the Rebels just played smart. They got their points on the board. They didn't offer a whole lot to the Waratahs. The the like the difference in the defense, like it's like a three to one in how many tackles the Waratahs had to make. They they really just faced a lot of attack, and I guess that probably sapped them a bit. But I guess it's a tactic that worked on the Waratahs. They're subject to to errors when things are frustrating when they're not getting enough ball they go in they get offside they they take out the halfback they lay in the ruck they're trying to slow it down all those things just wiped them out on the penalty score and and gave the rebels a whole heap of territory kicking up the field and mm. and playing with their superior line out so give me a standout player from this game because i don't think there's many um there's not a huge amount to talk about in any case but there's a couple of key individuals i think we can talk about that are pushing um, to reinstate their sort of claims or look for higher honours. Obvious one is Corabidi. Corabidi had a great game. Yeah. Um, he's getting the beard back. That's a good sign. Um, just just involved, dynamic, breaking tackles. Same Marika where we've, we've enjoyed watching in the Wallabies jersey as well. Um, was a standout in the backs and, and kept getting himself involved, like kept finding ways to get the ball in hand and, and made a lot of meters. Made was a good good supporter as well. Yeah, um, really solid game for him. And culminated with the final try, picking it up off the rock ruck where he so often finds himself in close and scampering through to seal the win. Yep, I think we've probably got to give some credit to Matt Tamur. I think the the commentators were probably a little bit too, um, you know, congratulatory on his performance, but <laughs> he he was okay. He was okay. He's, he he took control of the game, and he some of his decision making was, you know, I think crucial in that game to get their victory. Yep. Um, still not creative enough for mine. Um, I think he was doing some good work in defence, as we usually see, but I'm still not convinced he's he's up to being the Wallabies ten. Um, but again, like he's not doing his his case any disservice with that kind of performance. He's he's not making errors. Um, he's keeping his team in the game, which I think the Rebels, they need that. They've got some talent outside him, which I think they're still not using to their full full potential. Um, but it's definitely a better performance than previous weeks for the Rebels. Absolutely. Yeah, even I, I can't I can't criticise Tamua's defensive performance. He was very solid. He, he only made six tackles or something, but they were solid tackles. Like, he was getting the big ball running forwards coming at him and he, he took them down uh, clean and simple. So, you know, that's good. But I, I still just don't find him uh, a very creative player and I don't really, like, sure, you can put him in the Wallabies, but we've seen it and I don't think it gives you a whole lot of a spectacle. So I would expect that they, I would hope that they go somewhere else for a 10. He's uh, mm. he's a support act off the bench at best for me. Yeah. And then Farmacilli, I think, again, He's, he's solid game. coming up with certain moments. Yeah. Um, still, I think he's got a lot of work to do. He's by no means even close to be able to play 80 minutes. Um, but he does put in the hard yards when he's there for, say, 50 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely dropped some weight. Like, you can see he, he looks fit. He's, he's still got a ways to go, obviously. But 
for a tight head prop that's having that many carries and um, making meters like Taniela yeah. Tupo, who we saw early on couldn't make 80 minutes either. So it does take a couple of seasons to get you up to that um, level where you can play it at that sort of um, capacity or even in that Intensity. style for 80 minutes. It's tough. So yeah. <clears throat> I think, look, he's definitely a player of the of the future. I don't think we're looking at Wallabies for him this year, but I think Ooh. keep him on your radar. Are you sure we're not looking for Wallabies this year? I reckon he may I think end between... Up... We don't need him, I don't think, between Slipper, CO, Alalatoa, Tupo, um, probably even someone like Tom Robertson might get back in there. Um, but we're, we're talking about tight see... heads here. Well, you got Alalatoa and Tupo. So, at yeah. the moment, he's probably Would he be third, third? then? Unless you're going to put Harry, Harry Johnson, Johnson Holmes. Holmes. Would you put Harry Johnson Holmes in or him? Because... No. I'd probably yeah, pick him just based on his abilities. Was... He's got special abilities, like with the ball in hand, which yeah. Harry Johnson Holmes doesn't have. I'd say Harry Johnson Holmes probably has a more rounded game. Yeah, but I wouldn't, you know, given his size on an international stage, you're more you're looking at guys that are kind of like also like touring a fussy for the All Blacks, that kind of size and dynamic with the ball in hand. Like that's it's a rare commodity. Yeah. Look, I th- I think I wouldn't be surprised if he's in a squad or maybe maybe it's an extended squad and he doesn't make the final cut um, for them. But I think they'll look to get him involved in that sort of um, environment earlier rather than later. Um, is there anyone from the War- Waratahs you want to highlight in this game? There's not really much in terms of a standout. Um... No, terrible. I was going to say, like, I, I nearly think, um... this through the screen a few times watching that. It was absolutely... <laughs> horrendous and they talk about the Jew every time we play at night like let's yes. get over it let's yeah, stop they making talk every sense. every yeah it's just like every time they go in the park it's slippery or it's greasy out there it's a bit greasy out there it's just like yeah exactly we're, in, we're playing in sydney it's not <laughs> we're not playing in brisbane in february or something like yeah, this we're not is playing not in the tropics like it's <laughs> and the fact that the Tars tend to hide behind this consistently. I, every time there's a poor performance with ball in hand, they're like, oh, the conditions, you know, like that needs to stop as an excuse. And I think mm. Tars were just generally horrendous. Maddox has dropped his play for the second week in a row. There's just a lot of issues across the team right now. Yeah. So a lot of I was only going to mention Tom Horton, I thought was not, not a standout so much, but solid, again, deserves to hold his spot there at the starting hooker. Um, wasn't wasn't really uh, his fault. Some of those lineouts that w- went awry. I thought he, I think he had one throw that was a bit loose, but generally he was pretty solid. Um, but just to double back to the rebels, another one that we wouldn't have mentioned before. I don't think Trevor Jose um, was really solid in the second row. Like he, I didn't really know him particularly in that in that team, but picked him out mid game just as you know working really hard. Really really good lineout. Clean, clean take and good delivery down to the halfback. Um, good runs, good, good work around the ruck. Um, presumably, um, I don't know if he's come out of the Kiwi system or if he's or if he's local to Australia. But when we're looking for up and coming locks, I'll just be keeping an eye on him. He's definitely got the size to him. Exactly, two, oh, yeah. two, two meters and four. Yeah, and he carries it strongly. Like he doesn't look like a big. Um, he's not kind of just. Just, yeah, clumsy big guy. He looks strong, powerful in his runs, and and just really, um, really clean in the lineout, really precise. I thought that was a really decent he, performance out of him. He definitely played outplayed Philip, I think, as well. And yeah, I noticed him with ball in hand, and yeah, yeah, someone just he just stood out with his play. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. I actually think their reserve lock came on and was more of a standout than Philip too. Philip didn't play that badly in this, but no, no, it was just it was more that um the the backups, uh, Asai Hanagana, was um he was good too when he came on. Yeah. Why is is, is Rob Leota playing in the backs now? Why is he always listed at twenty two? They only have Deegan and Lamani, and then I, he's at twenty two. They were doing this earlier in the year as well for some reason. I don't they know did whether it with they just Hardwick. like. Yeah, I don't know whether they just like having Lamani as a twenty-one, so they, I don't know. Or maybe it's just it's probably it's cost jersey, efficiency jersey with his side. jersey. Yeah, yeah jersey. They don't want to. 
order another 21 for Rob Liotto to wear. Maybe. <laughs> That's it. This is Rugby Australia now, budget budget jersey. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, another game in Sydney on Saturday, and that was the Western Force hosting the Brumbies down at Leichhardt Oval. And, you know, the Western Force are trying something different here. You know, they, they had two weeks where they scored 14 points off the bat, and they lost those games. They're like, look, let's concede 14 points early and see if that helps. And that's exactly <laughs> what they did. Well, they, it was only 12, sorry. Not quite, not quite 14. But seven minutes in... Two long-range tries from the Brumbies. Um, improved performances from them across the park. People like Pete Samu stepping up when we asked him to. Um, Iray Simone, I think, stepped up as well um, in this. And Tom Wright, another good game, um, getting those early tries. And then the Force did solidify. They did try and come back in this, but um, weren't able to put any points on the on the table. Um, I think, Leo, you're going to say... Um, they missed they missed having Pryor in there as the number nine. They brought back Nick Frisbee for this one, um, but yeah, couldn't couldn't convert anything into points. Yeah, the, they didn't feel like they were a long way off the pace in this game. Like those first two tries for the Brumbies were again not not even against the run of play, more just you know single breakout, really good support. Um, Power, Joe Powell ran a really good uh, obstructing line against John Lance for that first one. He made sure he got in the way and had no chance to to ankle tap Tom Wright or anything. But um, look, the Brummies earned those. Nothing nothing to take from them. And the forces didn't really recover. They were sort of in and around most of the game, but they did they did allow too many turnovers. Um, they weren't as dynamic hitting the ball. And I, and I put that down partly to Nick Frisbee. Like again, he's not a he's not a schmuck there at uh, scrum half, but. It's really frustrating to see a guy who's a starter um, come in and just continue to deliver balls to the back shoulder of the first receiver. Like anyone trying to hit it up with pace, you know, run run direct straight into the defense, hit it fairly flat, and they're having to turn back towards the scrum half and take it high on their their back shoulder. It's 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 your job. It's I've said it before. Um, I've always said it that. The scrum half, you're a professional passing machine. Like just, just deliver the ball out in front and let the guy carry his momentum into the contact. And they they just don't do it consistently enough for me. I, it's really frustrating because you can see that there's opportunity there, and it just kind of falters in that first phase, the first um, the first pass. So uh, it wasn't all like that, but it was like that enough that the Brumbies then could get a bit of a roll on and get a turnover and the force just couldn't string the phases together consistently. And I still don't think we're getting the the top top form from this Brumbies side. I think they've still got a lot of improvement in them. Um, and I I did actually expect to put them to put on more points here, so it is a credit to the force. They actually were able to, to counter some of that attack there. Um, but, yeah, the Brumbies are just another tier above, aren't they? You can see mm-hmm. in those early moments... You know, they look like they can compete with Kiwi sides the way they play. Yeah. Um, and when the way they're they able to score tries like that yeah. from 70 metres out. Um, it's The Reds are doing that sometimes, um, but not consistently. The Brumbies, I think, is as soon as they're able to bring consistency in that area, I think they're going to be largely unstoppable yeah. in this Australian conference. Impressive that Bailey Konzel managed to keep the momentum up too. Like, I thought he was pretty good. Um, considering he's, you know, he's the backup we've we've seen. Pretty green. Yeah, he's pretty green, but like really like big, big, tall fly half takes it in the contact. Good passing. Yeah. Um, yeah, good decision making. Good kicking. A like really good kicking. Um, and you know, outshone maybe by Simone with kicking, but like you know, as as a as a pair of pivots, like that was a really effective combination, which. Um, I suppose we haven't really seen it, so it's good to know it's there. It's the good depth that the Brumbies have. I'm starting to think more and more that the Wallabies' centre pairing could be Simone and Kurundrani. They work so well together. Possible, and yeah. Simone alleviates a lot of pressure off the 10 with his passing game and his, even his well. kicking game. Yeah, 
it's just another option. He's just becoming he's becoming such a more mature player, and his decision making is really good. Um, and it allows you know the other guys outside him to be unlocked because he's able to throw a long ball out to the wing or or whatever's needed, or he can truck it up because he's 105 kilos or something. So he's just got so many strings to his bow. Or something. I'm struggling to exactly. see. Huh? Or something. 105 exactly. Is he actually? Yes. For, for our listeners that don't know, Toby has a weird head for um, statistics. Player and weights and heights. Weights and heights. And <laughs> so you can name any player and he seems to know exactly how tall and how big they are. How old is he? How old is their ace, Simone, Toby? Oh, I don't know. 24. Ooh, 25 as of uh, 18 days ago. So is pretty he, close. Is he, is he 193? He is 193. Ooh, what yes. about Tavita Kurandrani? You're talking about your other center pairing. What's his height and weight? Uh, Tavita's 194 and 103, I think. Ooh, 192 and 102. Oh. It's close. Yeah. But not... it's smaller than Simone. That's, that's interesting, that's actually. Ridiculous. I wouldn't have picked that. Simone's a big and, and boy. He's a big boy. And so... a bit more squat than Kurandrani, but yeah, it's... So TK's 29, like, I like to think about things in the cycle. Like, there's, even though TK was a bit of a write-off in the last World Cup, we we thought we had better options. If this combination develops and sticks together, there's potential. But I think... I was hoping that would be healthy too, and then you could just pick all three, which I think would be awesome. You've got to be careful, though, because the Kiwis will just put one Australian Super Rugby team in their competition instead of two. You're just going to pick all yeah. the Brumbies. Can't hate on the Brumbies, mate. They're so, they're they're so good to watch. I love them. <laughs> so we're talking about centre pairings. Obviously, Tom Wright, another standout game. We saw Solomon Okate um, come back to the other wing, um, displacing Muirhead after some good performances. I just wanted to get your guys' opinion as well. Like we talked about the tight head props standing in terms of Australian rugby. Wingers now, I think when we did our far too early Wallabies selections earlier in the year, I think, um, and our polls online, I think what we ended up was a um, Corobidi. And I think Henry Spate may have taken the other wing spot um, on our fans poll. Where do you put... I think we all agree Corobidi's number one in terms of our winger options. Where Who do you put as your sort of two, three, four? Where, who's, who's in that? Tom Wright is second for me right now. Yeah? 100%. Yep. He's, he's, very, got, he's got it all. Yeah, he has been playing very, very well. And he played a 10 for Joey's in, in high school. Yeah. So he's, he's got great so skills. He's played with 10, ball he's in played hand. 12, and he's now playing on the wing. And we're seeing some of that pace. He obviously has the pace to um, play as a winger. I'd say he'd be as, nearly as quick as Corabiti. And he's great at finishing. Like he's. Because he spent a bit of time in league after school, he's um he's got some really good finishing finishing skills in the corner, um and he's he's still a big body. He's you know nearly a hundred kilos, I think. So he's one of the bigger wingers out there. How tall is he? Though? Um, one eighty six, mate. I'm pretty sure. You can check that. You um, are good. He's one eighty six and ninety eight kilos. Yeah. So, I think he's a great option to put on at fourteen. Uh, I mean, who who is playing better than Tom Wright at the moment on the wing in these five teams? Yeah, I I can't I can't pick someone. I'm I'm not going to join the Rod K for Tim Hoare and Phil Kearns camp of how good is Filippo Dalgunu picking for the Wallabies immediately. Um, I think Carter could have. Yeah, yeah, but it's just different. Like he's he's elusive, but he's he he doesn't um, break out and just burn people like Tom Wright showed he can on the weekend. Um, Carter's been injured, but I think there was potential there. I don't think he's in that top four at the moment. Um, you look Chris, at the Waratahs. I'm... Chris Fowler, I saw T, I think, would be third in the pecking order right now, based on form. Based on two games back? Yeah. He looks that good. I don't good. know if I'd go that far. So He looks that good. <clears throat> I think Jock Campbell is a bit of a dark horse. I think there's potential there. Yeah. But we need Maybe to see some 15. better form. I still oh, think he's better. So we're talking about yeah. Wallabies. 
all of his wingers. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. So just, I, I are you going to put like Maddox and or Hodge or anyone in these spots? Like someone playing out of position a little bit? Well, I'm, well that's what I was going to say. That you look at Tom Wright. Look, look at Tom Wright. Look how dynamic he looks. How fast, how strong, decision-making, passing. And then compare that to Maddox. Maddox looks kind of slow and, to be honest, a bit disinterested at times, a bit, you know, a bit beaten. And Hodge, I, I just don't think Hodge really has cemented any position. Like, I don't think he'd be, um, I don't think he'd be as elusive and I don't think he'd get the line breaks that, that guys like Tom Wright get out on the wing. I, I just don't he, see him he, being He doesn't have the acceleration. Dominant. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's just kind of he's like he's got a really long stride. So when he gets up to speed, he's got some pace. But um, yeah, I I wouldn't pick either of them over Tom Wright at the moment. And I think with Hodgie's been coming off a few injuries. I don't think he's a hundred percent by any means. Um, so you might see some better play from him towards the end of the season. But there's not, you know, there's not been a lot of guys stand up on the wing. I think Kellaway's had his moments, but. He's been pretty quiet the last few weeks. Yeah, early in the um, season, he was looking very good. Yeah, Waratah's wingers, not quite up to it, I don't think. They don't quite have the quality there. Um, Reds have rotated a few guys in and out of that wing spot. So I think it, it's coming down for me to, to be someone that you've got to pick on form, I think. And Tom Wright's shown this for a couple of years. He's been playing, he can play at 12 as well. But I think he's he's shown a lot of promise on the wing there. I don't see any reason for not picking him, to be honest, at the moment. I give I give Kellaway a spot in the top five based on early season form. I hope it, we see more of it, but I think he's worth developing. Um, he's another guy who's pretty young. He's 24. Toby, you won't get his stats. You won't get how high, how tall and how heavy he is. You just won't. Kellaway is 180. And 92. Oh, wait, can he's I He's 184. Oh. Okay, sorry. Arch, how much do you weigh? I reckon he's 184 so he's tall. Um, and he's 91. So 91 and 92. He's 106, according to this. <laughs> That's just <laughs> not wrong. right. That's just so wrong. And that may not be right. That may not be right. But, I mean, I think he's shown, again... Good speed, decision making. He's got diversity in his game. He can kick. He can um, probably sub in um, around the back three, like move around. He runs good lines. Like he, he was coming off some really good inside lines for the Rebels early in the season. He was sort of cutting through and and um, beating beating smaller forwards. So I think he's an option. Um, I would like him in the conversation because I don't think anyone's in amazing form outside the Brumbies. So. You are picking on either um, more distant form, or you're picking on potential or combinations. Um, yeah, I'm probably more interested in uh, maybe Foe Sortia, Jock Campbell, Callaway. I, I don't want to see Hodge and Maddox on the wing again. Like I, maybe Maddox, but That's, Hodge, I'm, Hodge, I'm done. Yeah, I think Maddox is Maddox is definitely a, a possibility. If we're going back to guys like Hodge or DHP on the wing, we got issues. Like, they were there because we didn't have someone we could trust to play wing with that skill set. I think it that's It shows changed. we have no specialists. It just says yeah, and we we, suffer we've got for that. Balls, more fullbacks, more centers. We got a lot of, yeah, we got a lot of fullbacks. Even Tom Banks, like, if he gets back to form, I could see them picking him as well. He's definitely an option. But I would prefer, yeah, Banks, Maddox, Tom Wright. Um, yeah. Guys like that that... Have, they're still relatively young as well. Yeah, yeah, they have a bit more future um, looking towards sort of next World Cups. All right, let's jump across the ditch and jump to some very entertaining games. On Saturday evening, we had the Crusaders hosting the Hurricanes down at Orange Theory Stadium at a place where the Hurricanes have not won. No team has won for four years. Um, I do believe the Hurricanes were the last team to win down there. And they put together... Um. Something a little bit special here. Um, 34 to 32. The Hurricanes win it to hand the Crusaders their first loss um, of Super Rugby Artuloa. And they make things a bit more interesting up here. 
absolutely entertaining game from start to finish. Another standout performance from Geordie Barrett, but even more so from young Peter Munger and Jensen um, for the Hurricanes as well, who's really putting his mark on that 13 jersey. That's not to say that there wasn't some outstanding play from Mawanga, from the wingers, Sebu Reese um, and George Bridge with a great link up and try by George Bridge, who somehow managed to knock a pass with his foot forward and dive over in front of everyone for the Hurricanes, uh, for the Crusaders. But really entertaining game on both sides of the ball. And yeah, the Canes, they're, they're riding this momentum and Look, that's three in a row now, and they're, they're starting to um, look relevant. They're almost trying to take over that number two spot in the conference, but the Blues managed to hold them off with um, a win on their side as well. It's like great game, this, uh, It's a great game, but the, the Canes type five, I'm, I'm struggling to see how they're putting these performances together. You've got a, a 35 or 36-year-old prop in Ben May, um, very experienced, but like... There's not big names in that tie five. I can see their back row, you know, with Severe and Karifi playing well. That's that's pretty high level stuff. But yeah, it's I think they're relying on their the play of guys like Umunga Jensen. Lamalpin is now out, I think, but he obviously has been playing well. And then Barrett, Hooson, guys like that are really playing at a good level. But mate, to beat the Crusaders at home, we know it doesn't happen very often. The stats back that up, and what a performance by the Hurricanes! Yeah, they found some some classic Hurricanes form, even with Jackson Garden Basher being at ten. Um, he, he he did enough. He he got the ball out into the the ball the real ball players. Um, Lamarpi great, Munger Jensen great. Houston had his moments. Lamb was storming down the sidelines again. Is um, um is it just now that? If you're just on the right wing for the Hurricanes, you score two tries. Is that just how it works? Like we were talking about Cobras Van Week being that good, but it maybe it's just if you're in that spot, that's where everyone passes to, and that's where you get the ball and you score. Seeing this usually it's the though. left wing. Usually it's or the left Vince wing. Also. Well, it's no, Lamb or Sevilla so on the left wing. Yeah. yeah, Lamb and Sevilla. But then often it goes to the open side wing as well, who they just rotate guys through that, yeah. and they always seem to score. And Kane's backline makes you look good. Um, and it used to be mostly because of Bowden being there. And I think Geordie's now stepping up with that yeah. that playmaking I've been talking about. But, um, yeah, what can I say? I mean, Crusaders tried to snatch it back. But even some brilliance from, from guys like Bridge and Severis, they couldn't get it done. It was a very, like, it was swing swinging back and forth all match. Yeah. Um, just, the, just the poise of that, that, that moment. So Severus, Severus chucks a really big, wild, wild wide pass. Well, first, Still pretty accurate. Just, first just off, didn't... even before that, Severus picks it up off the ruck, does a one-two with Bryn Hall. So gives it to him, steps back, gets back on side, and gets back the inside pass to break through. So that's like yeah. that's not something we see from many wingers outside Corabidi being in at the ruck like that. Severus does it a fair bit. But yeah, yeah and then throws this big wide pass. Throws throws the big over the top and it doesn't come off. And I just think what what would happen for the Waratahs, for the Rebels, if that pass happens? It lands at their feet. They, they either reach on. down and try and catch it, they knock it on, or they, they kind of fall over it and it goes out and you're like, oh, man, that's almost amazing. George Bridge chucks a foot at it and doesn't just, you know, just scuff it. It's like it's it's almost it's like controlled yeah, like what he does. Yeah, it looked. I mean, I don't want to give him too much credit where maybe this was more um, reflected like, or reflexive, um, but like just the the touch. Like it's like when you're watching soccer players like, take the big over the head over the field cross, and they just bring it down with control, drop it at their feet, and keep going. And he's he's just toe to forward, got just about about the right amount of weight on it. Complete luck that's kind of bobbled and spun up on its end and and just curved perfectly for his line, but you watch him in the replays when you get the reverse angle and he's he's touched it through and he's sprinting straight after it and like they just give themselves all those opportunities and they've got those finer skills to give them you know a better than a ten percent chance of turning it into something um, and like that that's. It wouldn't have surprised me at all if the Crusaders had another moment or two like that late in the game to pull off the win. Um, the Hurricanes managed to keep the ball off them, and you know the kicks out of Geordie, all 
you know, all going over, that's that's critical as well. Um, not even the Moanga Magic could could catch them up. So, yeah. you know, credit to Jordy. Jordy's playing yeah, himself into that All Blacks 15 jersey. With yeah, McKenzie's well, lack of form and the Chiefs struggling and... That's right. He's really he's really making a strong case now yep. to start at fifteen. Yep. He's he's managing to impose himself on the game more and more as the season goes on. He's he's you know, stepping into ten for a few first receiver stints, he's out the back, he's doing the kicking. Whereas McKenzie, when we get to the Chiefs, we'll talk about it more, but like forcing himself in and not really like starting to scamper sideways, not really creating as much Hard in a losing team that's going backwards. But, yeah, it's It's desperation as opposed to injecting yourself and, and having all the forward momentum definitely is going to make Geordie look like a much more appealing option, even as young and relatively uh, inexperienced as he is compared to some of the other options they have. Now how good if he keeps Bowden out of that 15? <laughs> if Bowden's on the bench and Geordie's starting? Because I think at 15, Geordie deserves that more than Bowden does at 15. I think we'll talk about it in a minute, but, you know, Bowden's a much better 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I think you're right. Solidified that Geordie's sort of front-running for that 15 at the moment. Solidified absolutely, I think, that the Crusaders' wingers are your all-black wingers. There's a reason they got picked and took hold of those reins. Um, they're, they're just a class above, I think, everyone else. Um, I think where the Hurricanes really stood up as well in this is some of the defense against phases and phases against the Crusaders. And especially, I always talk about those last five minutes before halftime and before the end of the game. And before halftime, the Crusaders looked like they were pressing and it was just some really solid defense from the Hurricanes, really pushing the momentum really fast off the game line. They end up getting a penalty um, just on halftime, which Shorty picks kicks over. So it goes from suddenly conceding points to putting more points on the Crusaders um, going into halftime, which I think really helps you um, in terms of your mentality going into that break. But by no means a weak game from the Crusaders, but got to give credit to the Hurricanes. They obviously, um, they put together just a stellar performance on this one. Mm. Going to the other game. Surprise me. Going to the other game of the weekend. uh, Bit of a controversial finish in this one. We had the Blues hosting the Chiefs out there at Eden Park. um, And... Look, it came down to the very end of this game and we were waiting and it was only four points in it, 21 to 17. And the Chiefs looked like they were going to score for all money to break that um, losing record that Warren Gatlin's been been getting. I think he got um, described as 007 um, in social media earlier today um, as the zero wins, zero draws and seven losses um, out of the last seven games. So... Um, very, very tough for the Chiefs to stomach this one. First off, was that a penalty? Did um, Josh Goodhue deserve to get that penalty turnover in the final ruck of the game? I, I don't. I didn't see an angle that said that he was on his feet going for that ball. Like he was part of the tackle, and the only footage you get of him, his left knee is down. Um, you can't you can't see the other angle, which which is where the ref was looking from. I suspect he probably had a straight leg, and if he had hands on the ball, then it would have looked pretty convincing. But from that reverse angle, to me, he's almost clearly lying on the player. I don't know how that was given as a as a holding onto the ball. He just looked in no position to steal it. Yeah, so I, it was pretty tough. It was pretty tough to have that decision, um, especially like two phases in. Like yes. it's. <laughs> I, I think there was room there if if the if the referee had had thought the same as I did that this player was off their feet they just got got a card there was probably room to award another penalty five meters out I don't know if you card the guy again or you you know it depends what he saw it as if it was all you know almost successful or not yeah um, to continue playing because two phases <laughs> the Chiefs lose it in a man pile and somehow there's a guy on his feet on the ball. Like that man may be pile. filthy. <laughs> a man um, That is the technical like, term, I think. Uh, for a ruck that's collapsed, it's a man pile. In men's rugby, at least. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I didn't see him. I mean, maybe he was partially on his feet, but I definitely didn't see a clear release um, at any point in that tackle as well. But 
this is rugby. This is how it goes. It's subjective. Sometimes those penalties come up and look, the Blues obviously did enough. Um, so early on, we saw some good handling, some first phase backline move to put Matt Duffy through a gap, um, taking hold yeah. of that 15 position to score early. And then, yeah, they, they left it to their forwards for a majority of this game just to hold the Chiefs in defense. And then later on, you had um, Finlay Christie just diving across for a um, for a try to keep them in front when, by all money, it looks like the Chiefs had all the momentum. You see how happy Duffy was? Like, he's just stoked to be back in the team. Scores that try. <laughs> Contributing. I think he's a fan favorite, too. Like, he, everyone seems to get around him. Um, but the Blues now just ahead of the Canes on the table. So that's huge for them to actually get that recovery win. Um, otherwise, they would have lost three in a row. So could have been sliding down the table there. But um cellar dwellers the the highlanders and chiefs can they can they recover in the end of this season i feel like you know there's not a lot they can do now these top three teams are definitely a tier above they've played their easy game against each other and the hurricanes have got both of them oh sorry the highlanders have won both of them so Mm. the chiefs have no easy road to a win now they've literally got the hurricanes and the crusades left and just um, when you think it can't get any worse, they've got the, the Crusaders coming to, to Waikato next week. That's right. That's right. So very tough sledding for them. Um, did you guys see, I think it was Bushir scored the try for them sort of mid-game. Gaping hole, like way, like just next to the ruck, no Blues defense. And he's just come back on that sort of cutting angle back beside the ruck. That was open for like, five or ten seconds, just the halfback was really slow to get the ball out and just staring at that going, I hope someone's running that angle because it just, mm. it just sort of shows that there's opportunities. Uh, that that particular line is is pretty effective, especially yeah, when you're right on the, the line. line. Yeah, It's just like, do, do we feel like the Chiefs are, playing, are trying too hard? And, you know, like we said before, McKenzie's getting desperate. They looked a bit better when Cruden came on late in the game. Um, those are in the second half, but... Like, equally, they, they, they haven't looked that good with Cruden starting. I don't, I I know, I don't understand what's going wrong. I, I think they're just searching they... for answers. They're forcing, they're forcing plays. They're desperate. They just feel like things aren't coming off for them, and I think that's, that's building some real irritation and frustration during the game. Um, is it, is it the backs or Cruden... the forwards more, or is it just uh, the whole team? Like, is it just the fact that the they're just team. not getting enough? Um, dominance at the set piece or at the breakdown like is this just they underestimated how much Brody Retallick was doing for them like in the second row and just a work weight around the park like I think the second row is a, a problem for them and we've seen them try to plug the hole with you know Mitch Brown who's more of a back rower um, it, most of the time it is like they're playing five back rowers I think they they do need to to look at recruiting in that area because before you could play Brody Retallick, and even if you were, for a lot of the time they were playing um, Tyler Ardron, yeah, you know, the in the Canadian second row with Brody. Yeah. He hasn't been playing. I don't know if I he's injured or he's, he's left. Back. But... I think he might be back home. Um, yeah. So, so it, I think that was almost an area of vulnerability before, and now that Brody's gone, it's just this huge gaping hole in that second row, which you're going to feel at scrum time primarily. Well, they've they've talked about even just. Generally, in New Zealand rugby at the moment, there's a bit of a gap in their lock stocks. Like, yeah. you'd look at their top locks, and look, you have White Lock and you have Patrick Tua Pilato. Look, yeah. Yeah. obviously, Scott Barrett's injured at the moment, it's not going to be around. But outside of those, you're sort of struggling a little bit to find where you go next. Mm. You it's got like guys, us. younger guys, Parry Parry Parkinson. Yeah. Yeah, you've guys emerging. Yep. All more of it. They've been around a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Crowley Tuioti had a good game for the Blues in this one. Um, But again, he's not been starting. Goodhue's been sort of starting for a lot of the season. Then you have your couple sort of Crusaders that are role players, Quinton Strange or Michael Dunshay. Like, there's a few people around. they're They're not big names. They're not names that you're would put anywhere near sort of the likes of Tupelo 2 or Whitelock or definitely not nowhere near sort of um, 
Yeah. Who was I just talking for the Chiefs? Retallic. Brody Retallic. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, it's it's similar. It is similar to Australia how we lose two or three big names and bang, you you've got quite a big hole to fill there, particularly in the international setup. Um, but again, we still we see in Australia as well as the as New Zealand, we've got a lot of good back rowers, um, and I think they they feel I think they've kind of experienced a, a similar thing with that. They've mm-hmm. they've got across the board a pretty strong set of back rowers in each franchise. I feel like back rowers, there's a lot of different shapes and sizes that can work and can look effective in their own way. I think the lock is such a specialist position. Um, you know, you obviously need to have the height, the scrummaging skills, but you want you want your lock to be enough of a not a ball player, but a, you know, competent enough to re- receive receive and receive and pop for that sort of side side runner. Um, you want them to be doing a lot of carries, so it can't just be a, a massive lumbering guy who's going to get puffed after 30 minutes. Like, there's there's not it's too many different shapes balance, and sizes. Yeah, there's not too many shapes and sizes of locks. So if they have a few guys, um, you know, just statistically, you're not going to have a whole lot of people that that fit that that group. Back rowers give you a lot more options to sort of mix and match, jigsaw together an effective group. I think the locks are where you can't afford to lose. And we, maybe there's a lack of them overseas, and that's why they're all getting signed from down here. Mm. Um, but, yeah, some very good locks overseas for both Australia and New Zealand at the moment. And it is, it's, I think it's showing, like you said, Toby. I wonder as well, how much do we think the Chiefs' poor form affects their incumbent All Blacks? Like, is Sam Kane a sure thing? I mean, he's the sort he's of captain. captain. He's named captain. He's captain. That's right. Which a lot of people are saying, is that a mistake? <clears throat> Yeah, they well, shouldn't that's have what named I, it so early, I think, because now it's getting awkward. It's it's definitely a situation yeah. where he was expected to be the seven, but it's kind but of I'm trapping sure you into picking in a him. Winning team, like he's still he's still tough as nails. Like in this game, he, he got a massive stinger. Um, he was struggling all over the park for for parts of this game, and he just stayed in it. Gutted like, it out, yeah. Really, really tough player. And, you know, that's feast of mentality and, and, you know, conditioning and all that sort of thing. So I don't think he's out of place in the All Blacks. But think about a guy like McKenzie. Is he even on the radar for 15 or in any position, maybe not bench. even the bench? I mean, he should I be. be on the bench. I kind of think he should Are be. Are you saying Bowden's going to be on the bench? This is what Are I mean. Like, Bowden and McKenzie on the bench. Where do you fit Anton Leonard-Brown, who's basically an incumbent? Is he starting centre or has he been superseded by others too? You got Rico. It's really you know, interesting. I don't think they have a twelve Hughes. either. The All Blacks. Yeah. Good Hugh. Good well, Hugh is not good at good. twelve. I know, but they they keep playing in there anyway. I know because they need a twelve. <laughs> and he's, well, they do Marpy, need a twelve. He's it should be Lamarpi, but they don't, they were apprehensive to pick him, and now he's injured. So yeah. it is. They've got a few holes there, but I think. Across the board, they they do look strong, and you see the levels of play in New Zealand. We still think it's a fair bit above Australia, so I think we've got a lot more problems than them. But it's good to I, see them with slight chinks in the armor there. Definitely. I just think that this is going to make a big difference for their their team, or that their individuals getting selected. Like yeah. guys like Lalala trying to get in there. So cooler should be getting a mention. Uh, Brad Weber, like another, you know, they've got a wealth of halfbacks. Does Weber rack up in the top? three or four even at the moment with the, the way these other teams His are playing. I don't know. Warrant selection at the moment. Well, and maybe that's Chiefs, part of why they're not playing well. I think the Chiefs, the guys that are guaranteed a spot in the squad are McKenzie, Leonard Brown, Kane. Sam Kane. That's it. Probably. That's the, no, that's the only guarantees, I think. Yeah. I was going to, because I wanted to say, highlight the props for the Blues. You mentioned Offer Tuanga Farsi earlier. He had a great game. Um, Carl Tuanafiyaki is coming back um, and looking reasonably strong and fit. But I actually really like what Alex Hodgman's been doing. Um, the um, tight he's end huge for the Blues. As well. He's and he's really involved. He carries a lot. He seems to have good handles. Like I really like what he's doing as well. So I think it's going to be tough for people like Nebulalala, people like Angus Tauva aren't even getting a run anywhere. Um, he's getting a run. 
in the commentary booth. The world finally makes sense. He should never <laughs> have been an All Black, honestly. Apologies uh, to what's him. Your, but... what, what's your take on Kurt Eklund? Look, I think he's playing well. Um, he's doing a good job holding down that position from James Parsons, who's obviously been the incumbent for the Blues for a long time. His line-outs seem pretty strong. I think that's partly having a good pack behind him as well. And obviously their scrums are reasonably good. I'd still put some of the He's other... looking a bit Dane Coles-ish on, in, out in the field. Yeah, I mean, he is good in open play. Would you put him ahead of someone like Asafa Amua, though, for the Hurricanes? I'm not saying I'd put him in ahead of others. I'm just, like, as a developing player, I think you've yeah, got no, someone I think in a similar mould. And, like yeah, and, and Dane Coles is, you know, he's not going to be that limber and, and agile forever. So I think that's another guy coming through that they should be keeping a close eye on. I think you'll have the hookers as um, Cody Taylor, Dane Coles, and Asafa Amua for the All Blacks. I want Takiyaho. Takiyaho can't even get a start for his own team. He has a great name. <laughs> I know, Solomon. Takiyaho. King, King Solomon. Um, all right. Let's go to next week and do some of our picks. Before I get to that, I will remind you guys, make sure you subscribe to us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod, where you'll be able to see such great um, breaking news, such as Nick White's back with the Brumbies training as of last week. Didn't manage to find the squad, but we'll see if he ends up in the 23 for this week. And breaking today, Julian Savir, the bus is back for the Hurricanes. Make sure you're keeping up with all that latest news. We'll see whether he can make a chance um, return for the Hurricanes and maybe grab a few more tries on that wing, as we said. Such a great scoring position for the Hurricanes. But won't be this week because the Hurricanes are on by. You know, it could be this week, though. We could see Jordan Patea coming back into the red side, which would be very exciting. That is very exciting. I'd love to to see Jordan Patea back in. Yes. Absolutely. Or someone that's going to threaten TK's 13 spot, potentially. But we'll kick it off with the previews for Super Rugby Atuloa. Um, Toby already highlighted the Chiefs hosting the Crusaders down there at Waikato um, on Saturday night. And Warren Gatlin would not be happy um, having to deal with this again. It just doesn't seem to get any easier for these guys. And, I mean, if we we highlighted last week, they're not playing for a lot at this stage. And it's only these guys trying to get um, all-black consideration. And the Crusaders, man, if they, if they weren't unhappy um, breaking that home winning streak that they had, surely they'd be out for blood coming up to um, first the Chiefs this weekend. It's definitely a traditionally fierce derby, isn't it, these two teams? And... I can't see a way the Chiefs are going to win this. Um, it helps that they're at home, but I think the Crusaders, like you say, will be absolutely ruthless in this one. I think yeah. it could be a big point scoring game. Um, but yeah, look, I think the Crusaders too hard, too hard to to not pick them. I think it's more like, do you pick? Is it going to be Chiefs play well enough to keep it to ten, or is it going to be by twenty? Twenty, I reckon. I. I... I can't quickly pull up the stats, but I, I can't imagine it's been um, any less than three or four years since the Crusaders lost two on the trot. Like that just just doesn't happen. They're they're so elite. They'll bounce back. They didn't do that much wrong this week against the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes were just better. So I can't see the Chiefs winning this. Double um, O eight for Warren Gatland. Rough rough times, but yeah, can't argue with that logic. Um, the other game is the Highlanders hosting the Blues. Obviously, the Highlanders having a week off. Um, the Blues travelling down to Forsyth Bar down there in Dunedin. Um, the Highlanders always put, put up a fight at home, boys. Do we see any way for them uh, to put some pressure on the Blues here and cause some mischief? Absolutely, they can put pressure on them. Um, this is this is the trap game for the Blues. This Absolutely. Is, you know, they're, they'll be looking forward... Um, to, well, the the final two rounds of the season for the Blues, they get a bye after this week, and then they verse the Crusaders. If they start thinking about that final game and whether they're going to be the top or the top two, 
uh, and give the Highlanders half a sniff, there's absolutely a chance that they can get rocked here. Um, but I would I would expect that at full strength the Blues will will deal with the Highlanders. I, I hope it'll be an exciting game. Highlanders always make it uh, pretty entertaining. A lot of lot of um, sort of loose counter attacking play out of them. So I, I think the Blues will have them. But I expect a pretty good game in good conditions, did, no less inside. Did we see? We didn't mention Bowden that much um, playing at ten, but obviously, as you said, Tobes looked more comfortable. Otero Black was on the bench. He was cleared to play. What do we see this weekend? Does Bowden hold on to that 10 jersey? I think he does. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Given Otero Black's form, I wouldn't be completely surprised if he gets pushed back to 15 and Otero Black comes back in. Because Bowden, you know, he's on the cards. He's leaving next next year for a year for the Blues. They need to consider the future as well which is obviously a Terry Black. So they'd be keen to keep his confidence up and keep his game time up. Um, whether that's the best thing for Bowden, who knows. But um, definitely agree with this whole trap game concept. I think the Highlanders are a much better team than they actually show a lot of the time. And I, I think that the Blues, if they take anything for granted here, will get shown up. I think the Blues probably by three in this one. That's exactly the margin I was thinking about. I think it's going to come down to a couple of penalty goals um, in this. And yeah, you'd be, be at high risk as you so often are with the Highlanders late in the game that they can come back. They can um, score points rapidly, even against some of the best teams, and they can make things very close. Let's go over to Australia. And we have the Waratahs on by this week. They get to sit, sit back and watch... Um, these other teams play and maybe have a think about what kind of team they want to be come the second half of the season. This is round five. It's the mid-game of the season and we get to see, first off, on Friday night, the Western Force hosting the Melbourne Rebels, again down there at Leichhardt Oval. It's unfortunate because we did talk about how the Force uh, could get some games where they, they might even steal a few wins at home. But they have been relegated to playing in Leichhardt as opposed to getting teams coming over to Perth where they obviously have the support and they have the familiarity with the grounds. Um, they toughed it out at Leichhardt over last week. Do they do better this weekend? I think they do. Um, and also remember that this is the first time these two teams have faced each other since the force were dumped for the prettier Rebels. That's so true. If, if that's not the storyline going into this, at least in the Force sheds, um, it's been the storyline for them really that, you know, respect the fact that you've worked so hard and you've earned your way back into a Super Rugby competition. You've proven that you're good enough. Um, I think I think the Rebels, they're, they're so um, up and down. There's absolutely a way that the, the Force do get those early points and stay really rock solid. And show a team of, you know, in in some sense individually considered, you know, pretty elite players by by name. The force could definitely show these guys up. And to be honest, that's what I'd like to see. Um, I think it'll be close. Um, hard to tip. Hard to tip this way. I'd I'd be disappointed if Nick Frisby was in again. I, I think they really want Ian Pryor back. I'm just not sure how fit and healthy he is. But I hope to see him back. I think that'll give the force the edge. Yeah, look, both these teams in a similar situation, being stuck in Sydney, away from home, away from their families and friends. And, you know, that can bring teams together or it can divide them depending on performances on the field, I think. And the Force have had it pretty tough. And I think the Rebels coming off that victory, even though it wasn't their best performance, it was very solid. And I think they'll build upon that here. I think the Rebels will come out and probably, I think, win by a couple of tries here, a couple of converted tries, maybe 14 points. Um, always going to see a good performance, I think, from the force, um, a lot of heart, but I think the Rebels are just going to be too classy, and I think they're going to be confident now actually building towards the end of the season. So um, Matt Samoa, let's see some more from him, maybe some more creativity and um, use those talented outside backs you have there, and I think it could be a high-scoring one from the from the Rebels. Nah, I'm taking the force. <laughs> I think we're going to see exactly what we Very saw from brave. the Waratahs um, with a really good week putting together what we want to see and then dropping off 
And I think it's almost partly because they would have sat back and watched um, the force not score a point against the Brubbers this week. I don't think they're going to go in with the same mentality and they're going to come up, they're going to start off a little bit soft and a little bit easy. And I think the force may well pouch, pounce on that. Um, but I think I think it's going to be um, an entertaining game by no means. Um, probably not more entertaining though than what we have on Saturday night because we have the Brumbies hosting the Reds. And Leo, you highlighted it early. We may see the return of Jordan Patea. And we have a Reds team that is fired up to try and take back a victory in Canberra, which would be the first time they've managed to do that uh, since 2014. So it's been a six-year drought for them in Canberra at GIO Stadium, um, and they're looking to break it. Massive prize for them. Um, I hope if Jordan Patea comes back that he's not uh, too raw, not not too soon. I uh, really don't want to see him uh, see a setback. The Reds at the moment, look, they're going to have to really lift and play their best rugby to compete with the Brumbies. Uh, Brumbies not really looking disadvantaged, particularly with a, a change at fly half, strong across the board, playing at home, cold conditions down in Canberra. It's been pretty wet and cold and miserable this week. Uh, I think the rain's going to go away later in the week to the weekend, but it's that time of year in Canberra where if you're from up north in the in the warm and humid conditions and you come down to Canberra, it's, uh, it's a bit of a shock. The Brumbies at home, I, I would expect them to win and I expect it's probably going to be something in the range of a ten-point sort of game. Um, but you know, I think this will be this will be the game of the round. I'm calling it now. This is like in the like in the Super Rugby Aotearoa. They've got their top two teams playing in the last round of each turn. Um, this is this is our top two teams, and I expect to see a pretty expansive game. Some creativity out of James O'Connor. They'll have to do something to break the Brumbies open. Their their defense is a solid wall. Yeah, I think this is the game of the season so far for Super Rugby AU um, to take that even further, Leo. I think it's going to be a great, great matchup. I think across the board, a lot of these players will be trying to, to dominate each other for a Wallabies berth. And look, the Brumbies, are they're coming in with good form and the Reds have had the bias. So I think they would have had a pretty tough week off. You know what Brad Thorne's like with these players. They don't really ease up too much on their, their bye weeks. So... I think it's going to be, you know, they'll be well prepared. Um, I think not having Noah there for the Brumbies is slightly detrimental to them. I think James O'Connor will be looking to probably take advantage of of that young 10 that the Brumbies have, but I don't think it's going to make a difference. I think the Brumbies here, if they play at their best, they'll be too clinical for the Reds that still, I think, lack a bit of discipline um, and could get the best of them in, in Canberra particularly what we reinforced about the centre pairing. You look at um, Simone and Kurundrani playing their best rugby and Hamish Stewart and either Hunter Paisami or Jordan Patea or, um, or Chris Boas-Otea. Yeah, that's not going to be a season, the combination. There's opportunity there in the midfield to, to run some mixed lines and, and disturb the Reds. Like They're, they're not going to have the defensive nous of the Brumbies. So... It's going to be real hard to break the Brumbies open. I think the Brumbies will target those centres. No, I think the back rows, the battle of the back rows here will be huge, um, assuming they're full strength. Yeah, absolutely what I was going to say as well. So we have informed sixes and eights, sixes and eights. Um, yeah, Harry Wilson and Liam Wright on one side versus Pete Samir and Valentini and, and Will Miller and Fraser McWright, two sort of younger, more rawer sort of sevens that haven't quite made their name yet. But... Um, yeah, absolutely going to be entertaining on both sides of the um, ball, I think, in this one. Um, yeah, at the moment, Brumbies have to remain the favourites just on what they've done, but we've seen seen what the Reds can put together. It's just whether they can do it down there in, in cold Canberra. I think this is literally your Wallabies back row contest. Like, the Wallabies back three, I think, will be from this group. Hooper's going to be there, mate. He's no. going to start. And no. he's probably going to be captain. You do know too. how much Rugby Australia is paying <laughs> Hooper. Like, that's well, he'd be, He's either going to be starting or off the bench. He's not going to be out of the 23. I think that. this is... I think the Wallaby... I didn't stay out of the 23. I think this is your Wallabies back three in this mix. That's where I think the best, the best form is and the best 
uh, players are and the best combination could be. Well, we'll get to talk about that even more next week because as we will do with the middle of the Super Rugby AU season, um, we'll do a far too early Wallabies picks uh, based on form in this competition next week on the podcast. Um, But that's pretty much all we're going to talk about for this week. Make sure you're tuning into these games, guys, especially that Brumbies-Reds game. And I think that Highlanders-Blues games are both going to be very entertaining, close-fought games um, with a lot of impact on the rest of the competition. Um, Make sure you've subscribed to our podcast on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts and keeping up with our social media to make sure you're voting on your picks for the games over the weekend as well. Those polls go up Thursday, Friday, Saturday. um, So you can check out the lineups and pick your winner and see if you're getting things right as well as we do thanks for tuning in once again we'll leave it there keep on running run we're back again the rugby running now I'm doing Hennigan. <laughs> You're listening to the Rugby Running Podcast.